0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not About Wrestling. I am Chris Lominati.
1: I am Stephanie Bowen.
0: And you are wearing a bull shirt.
1: I am. We didn't even get to talk about it with Pete.
0: We did not. What? Where, where does one get a bull shirt with the heart? And by heart, I mean the band heart opening, <laughs> like oh, the I was the, the, like, Na- yeah. the Nancy Wilson Stevie Nicks.
1: This is shoelace my- opening. From Express, they sold NBA apparel for a little bit. Yeah. Look at that. that. I had no idea. This was um, when I started in the band. I was trying to figure out what my aesthetic was going to be.
0: and you thought it was... And I
1: led with this.
0: NBA biker chick?
1: Yeah. This is what I started with. Mm. I was going for like rock, like torn up rock t-shirts. And now I just wear ripped jeans and wrestling t-shirts on stage. It's fine.
0: You know it's funny about that like so you're showing me the shirt and you're like not that you're justifying it but you're kind of like yeah so I thought this was going to be my thing like you didn't make the shirt a company produced those shirts and they thought it was a good idea people that they they paid money yeah. people millions of dollars to come up with that idea I mean I so, like
1: it yeah so I would well because people were doing this to their own shirts they Correct. would just buy T-shirts and then do this themselves, which is what I was going to do if I couldn't find something. And then I stumbled upon it and I was like, sweet. I don't have to try and DIY my own shit.
0: That's so. such a dad thing right there. That's something my dad would say. You paid for those ripped jeans?
1: Oh, oh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure my dad comment, because my dad was at the gig that I wore this at. Mm. And I, I'm pretty sure he was like, first off, he's like, I don't know you're a Bulls fan. And then, yeah. Commented on the shirt. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I was a Bulls fan briefly. Mm. <laughs> I guess I still am. I don't know. I'm not. I haven't watched in years. Name one player. I couldn't tell you right now, to be honest. Does Derek Rose <laughs> still play there? Is he? Did he go did he, back? I feel he like. He, his, did he, he get his leg amputated because his knee uh, always hurt?
0: No. Did he go back? No, I don't think he did. I don't know what happened to him.
1: What do you mean go back? Where was he?
0: After- he left and he was with like five other teams. And then I feel like he went, or am I thinking of Jimmy Butler?
1: Jimmy Butler is who I was watching the Bulls for when I was watching it. I got to tweet at him and he answered one of my questions and told me his favorite Taylor Swift song.
2: <laughs> what do you mean
0: got to tweet at him?
1: I, well, I tweeted, a, like, ask Jimmy Butler and he answered oh. my question on on video so it says my little like handle down there in my question and he got really excited about the question because he's a big t-swift fan
0: uh derek rose is currently employed by the new york knicks okay do you do you know who's not currently employed all the people that got caught by the wwe today Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh. like that segue
1: I know that was a really good segue. I know Mm -hmm. we talked about you were recording another podcast when all of this went down today, so it was happening, and I was like, "Chris doesn't even know." Can can we talk? Let's
0: talk about that real quick. So I do, well, I was recording a podcast where I was the guest for once, but this does happen often, like when we're recording or when I recording the other podcast, the running podcast. Usually the podcast, the interview itself takes like an hour, hour and 10 minutes. And then you do the, the talk up with. So you're kind of like in this bubble for an hour and a half. When I come out of that bubble, it's like the world is throwing a geyser at me and I can't. So it's like you're tweeting me the WWE things. Uh, the, uh, my marketing th- uh, team wanted a, a rate sheet for sponsorships. Uh, my ex-wife called me with some medical news. It's like all these things just come flooding at you which if you took them over an hour and a half, it's really not a lot of information. But when you get out of the podcast bubble and look at your phone and you're like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) it's kind of a lot. So I did open up the phone for you to send me all of the releases for the WWE today. Uh, By the time we release this, it's old news, but I feel like we need to talk about a couple of people that got released.
1: Right. Because today it did happen. So we record our podcasts on Thursdays. This will come out on Monday, so I'm sure there's going to be many more uh, coming by the time this actually comes out. Um, if they're on the same like trajectory as last year, which coincidentally happened a year to the day. Oh,
0: it always happens. It always happens. It's it's got. I think it's a on payroll. April fifteenth. I think it's a payroll contract thing.
1: Is it? They're like year end like it's yeah like,
0: i think it's like a thing. payroll contract like that's when they come off yeah,
1: they said it was budget cuts and all that stuff um yeah the billion dollar company
0: means budget cuts
1: yeah the one that just sold to peacock and
0: well peacock. yeah the, the right but like a lot of them too like the people
1: that got cut i feel like they're
0: probably some of them are better off
1: oh I, i'm not disagreeing with that at all um i think they definitely are better off some of these people. I'm actually excited that they got released like, so um, at this point they've announced Samojo, Mickey James, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Chelsea green, Wesley Blake, Tucker, Kalisto, Bo Dallas, and Mojo Raleigh are all the ones I'm so excited for Peyton. And Billy, because I think they're gonna go somewhere and be fantastic. And Samoa Joe, like most iconic. They're gonna be iconic somewhere, I think. Yeah. I think so too. I I would love to see them in AEW. See Peyton with with her hubby and
0: Yeah. Um of the releases, I think they'll be okay. Um Samoa Joe, depending on what he wants to do. I feel like if he wants to wrestle, I don't know if AEW is the place. I think maybe a ring of honor. Mm-hmm.
1: He's uh, already getting tweeted at by uh who's that Shane Taylor.
0: Yeah. So if he wants to stay the announcer route, um, maybe AEW, I could kind of see it, like maybe on a, a dark or a revolution or something, or um Bo Dallas. I'm happy. Nothing, I think nothing against Bo Dallas. I'm tired of the rumors that he's gonna show up and be like the next fiend or the third wild or the whatever you mean what
1: I wanted to happen, what I was telling you needed to happen with yeah, the fiend that's, stuff. Like, why is
0: everybody why is everybody clamoring for Bo Dallas to come back? I don't
1: because I think he'll be great.
0: I want to say this though. When Bo Dallas made his jump from NXT to the main roster, like I loved his gimmick. Like it was it was great. And they just kind of they sometimes they just don't know what to do with people and they just ruin it. Now they're doing it with Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Like they're just Yep. They replaced them with T Bar and Mace. Jeez. Oh, who now might know. be part of the hurt business. I don't.
1: Um, did you see what Matt Cardona said? No. What did he say? Well, because obviously so Chelsea Green says they married. Married?
0: They just got engaged.
1: Okay. Um, because uh Sean Ross Sap tweeted and said, pretty tone-deaf to do this on the same day one year later. Cardona quote retweeted it and said, WWE 415 says, I just fired your ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I popped. I started cracking up laughing. I was like, that is amazing.
0: That's pretty funny. Um
1: so- Well, he was, he was victim to it last year.
0: Yeah. I, everyone that got released with the, with the exception of Samoa Joe, who was one of the lead announcers on raw, like maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe then gets released with the exception of him. Every single one you could look at and go, I get it. Like they either weren't on TV or barely Tucker, uh, Tucker left heavy machinery. They never resolved that feud, like maybe one blow off. Like they never like that should have been a longer blow off or at least a pay-per-view match or something. He kind of just screwed Otis and went to another brand and that was it. Mm -hmm. You never, you never really saw him again. Um, Mojo. I didn't even know Mojo was still on the roster. Like I haven't seen him in a while, you know, Um, Bo Dallas has been on a farm somewhere (laughs) for three years for three years i don't with even know him. with
1: live right
0: yeah who's he uh who does he date Liv and, uh
1: live and mandy are interchangeable for me at times so
0: yeah one of them i think it's live no it's not it's definitely not mandy it's i think it's live
1: yeah it's live it's yeah. live
0: morgan um and then uh the, the one that really the one that surprised me the most was billy k I mean, we talked about it. She was a big part of the Royal Rumble night. Now she didn't win. She, the, the, I mean, the, for the first ten minutes, she was handing out a resume to everybody that walked in.
1: That was like one of my favorite. Like yeah, even my kids
0: love that part. They're I, like,
1: "Oh my god, she's hilarious! She's selling herself." And then Peyton just had that awesome promo on. Um, what was it? What's the after show?
0: Talking raw talk.
1: Yeah. Whatever. Or Smackdown, called, or Smackdown. Whatever they call it now, I don't remember. smack
0: smack a Talking smack. Talking smack. Talking smack. smack.
1: smack. Is, is that what it, is that what it's actually called? That sounds. think so. Isn't it? is it yeah, super dumb? Um. I don't know. Either way, she cut a promo on there to like let her go, like let her go do something, like let her show you what she's made of, and mm-hmm. it was great. So I just let her go. But I'm excited for, I think they will do great things wherever they end up.
0: I hope so. Um, I don't see why any of them can't, but I'm trying to think of who got released last year who's really made an impact in wherever they landed. And I can't think of one.
1: There, as I was looking this up, there was an article that was like the, um, where are the future endeavors, <laughs> endeavored people from last year? Oh,
0: yeah, I retweeted it. That's where you oh. caught on my timeline. I retweeted it, I think, from like comicbook.com, all the people that really released last year and where they ended up.
1: Oh, I didn't think I did that on there. If I did, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I retweeted it from my account.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, no, I saw it when I was searching on oh. the, the Google.
0: The Googles? You were on the Googles?
1: When I was doing my Google searching. I didn't have your your music for me as I was doing my looking it up.
0: You're looking stuff. it up music?
1: <laughs> my looking it up. <laughs> that actually sounds very similar to what you did last time.
0: It's same song. It's Oh, from,
1: is it an actual song? Yeah,
0: it's from Between Two Ferns.
1: Uh oh, okay. But it's also I was like, from
0: Taxi Driver.
1: It's like how did you come up with the same music?
0: No, it's from Taxi how Driver and then they because I used it in an early episode when Scorpio Sky uh his battery died, and I was waiting for him to recharge. I played that, and then it got taken down for copyright. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the song from Between Two Ferns. It's.
2: Oops.
1: <laughs> Did you
0: find it yet? Oh uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh,
0: it's
1: <laughs> Let's see, Miro.
0: He wasn't released, was he released? He wasn't one of the cuts, was he? I thought he just contract just. Uh-oh. I have
1: him first on this list.
0: Then Is never there? mind. Then yes, I, obviously he's made a huge impact. I thought his contract just ran out and he didn't resign. I didn't know he was released.
1: Um, And then Drake Maverick, who got resigned. Yeah. Um, EC3, who hasn't he's done.
0: up couple different places. He's in TNA he's, now, right? Um, yeah, he's in TNA. He's Ring of
1: Honor. He's ringing of honor.
0: Wasn't he in TNA
1: impact? No.
0: Oh, I- impact. Honor. I keep going to TNA because I know I listen to, uh, the podcast where they recap TNA and I call it TNA impact.
1: Um, Cardona who's in impact impact. Brian, uh, My- uh, Brian Myers, who's in impact. Yeah. They have, they have something tonight actually where they're picking each other's, uh, opponents mm-hmm. for matches. And Cardona tweeted at Myers and was like, don't you pick Chelsea? <laughs> that's pretty funny. Uh, Leo Rush, who's doing things in New Japan.
0: Okay. Yeah. I've um, so done something.
1: Gallows and Anderson.
0: Oh, yeah. That's I, I,
1: I, It's You forget that it was all these big names.
0: I forget that was only a year ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gallows and Anderson have been gone for like two, three years. I remember Gals, yeah, because Gals and Anderson got released a week after they did the Boneyard match. They were literally in the Boneyard match in WrestleMania, which was uh, it wasn't the main event, but it was up there.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they got released. I forgot. I, God, I, it feels like it's been so long. Some it of, has. That's what
1: reminding you about it this reminding me. It
0: just messes with your head.
1: Diana Perazzo.
0: <laughs> I stand corrected. I think everybody's done better
1: <laughs> from getting <released. laughs> right.
0: Because I don't think any of those people would be anywhere near the top of WWE.
1: Uh, Heath Slater, who's doing things. Heath and
0: Slater just said he was he was talking to WWE. Uh, you know what? Mickey James will be fine. She'll just go work in NWA.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, Eric Young.
0: I think he's in Impact too. Uh,
1: yeah, he became Impact World Champion at some point. Did he? Um,
0: so they'll all be fine.
1: Ty Conti, oh,
0: god, I mean, she's going for the AEW title. Wow, okay, um, uh, yeah. so they were all better off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eric Rowan made that one appearance in AEW, but he's not doing any, I, he's only wrestled three times since he's been released. Sarah yeah. Logan isn't doing anything, she's stepping away, she stepped away from wrestling. I
0: remember that, yeah,
1: um. No way, Jose! He's supposed
0: to come back. Uh, he was only released a year ago. God, I feel like he's been gone forever too.
1: Yeah, Good Lord. Uh, Mike Canellas, who's
0: yeah, who uh, Mike Bennett now. Yep. Well, right. I mean, he was yeah, yeah. Um, but he's so um,
1: they're back in Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah. With uh, Maria. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Aiden English is just a YouTube Hull. channel.
0: Yeah. I actually reached out to him for an interview. I'm sure he's listening to this. You should answer that email, Matt. Come I mean, on. we had <laughs> your wife on. Why don't you have you on? I mean, come on.
1: Um, Chris Hero.
0: He's got a podcast.
1: On ad-free shows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so
0: we don't have yeah. to go through. We don't have to go through everybody's LinkedIn. Everyone's doing fine.
1: <laughs> I'm just scrolling. I'm scrolling this whole list.
0: It's, Everyone on that uh, list is going to be like a so. a podcaster in Maryland was looking at your profile. <laughs> is that the creepiest thing? Is no, that the I'm creepiest just, social media? It's thing? the. Uh,
1: it's the. Creepiest. What if
0: Facebook did that? Someone in Los Angeles was looking at your profile.
1: <laughs> it's like people don't realize that you can see when they're looking at your profile. Because I've had numerous exes just creep on my LinkedIn. Like, exes that I'm not friends with on Facebook. And I'm like, "You, why, why are you looking at my LinkedIn?
0: They, they just want to see how your career is going. Just
1: see what I'm doing now.
0: They want to see if you linked any Gary V videos or anything.
1: If you liked any uh, <laughs> job what, openings. What new things I'm posting. <laughs> Please don't come work with me. <laughs> oh, Me resharing this job is not for you. Uh, uh, anyway, but yes, I think everyone will get hired and be fantastic somewhere. There's definitely going to be more. I mean, they did it the same last year where they announced all these, and then NXT was next. So
0: I see what you did there.
1: I wasn't intentional, but I realized it as I was saying it. So NXT
0: thanks. was NXT. Um, yeah. Well, I guess we should talk about who's on the show today. Yeah. Peter Corato. That's a good name. I like that name. It's a tough one. Uh, Good name. Good writer. Uh, He wrote, from hang time to prime time, business, entertainment, and the birth
1: of modern day NBA. But the most important part is that he was from Jersey.
0: I I didn't say it. You said it. (laughs) I honestly didn't know that before I I... asked him to be on. (laughs) I, I had no idea.
1: I didn't talk about it too long. You touched on it. You didn't we show your tattoo.
0: I didn't. We you seemed interested, so I wanted to get into it. I wanted to do a deep dive.
1: The second it was mentioned, my face changed. Yeah, you really good. Flash it up on here, yeah, for our our viewers. But yeah, I couldn't help. I couldn't hide my smile. I was just like,
0: that's what New Jersey does to people. They can't hide their smile.
1: That's the opposite. I think is normally. So we talked to Peter.
0: We're talking about his book and we cover the amazingness that was Dennis Rodman and Karl Malone wrestling a match like two weeks after the NBA finals in 1998 and the insanity of two major sports superstars wrestling in a wrestling ring.
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. And we talked about it. There's no way it would happen now.
0: Never. You're not
1: going to No, You're not going to see people.
0: We didn't, we didn't touch on it in the interview, but I think why that won't happen today is I feel like, uh, athletes are a little bit more aware and they know of the possibilities of what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't think they all think they're so much bulletproof anymore. And if they go and wrestle in a wrestling ring and get hurt, they're screwed.
1: Yeah, those big lucrative contracts are yeah. not going to do well when you're sitting on the sidelines because you decided to take a power bomb in a wrestling ring.
0: Yeah, so they might show up and do a little wave, do a little, hey, and show up on Miss TV, but they're not going to be uh, wrestling in any form or fashion. So we talked to Peter about, you know, we, we discussed how big of a superstar both Malone and Rodman were at the time, like just not just superstars in the NBA, but Rodman was like a pop culture figure. Mm -hmm. Uh, we talk about how the hell they got away with it how they got the, okay, we still don't know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the, the, the fun little maneuverings of Eric Bischoff, when it came to getting them to kind of get in a little bit of a fight in the middle of the NBA finals that was watched by 35 million people. (laughs) So a little bit of a, a little bit of an ad for the, oh yeah. And then watch these guys in a pay-per-view. So, uh, we talk about all that and just how none of this would happen today.
1: (laughs) None of it. A million years. Yeah. For yeah. multiple reasons.
0: Yeah, which we, all, which we get into. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's us talking to, uh, to Pete. And we're back, everybody. And we are here with author, NBA fan. And I really admire your backdrop. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. But Peter Corrado is here. <laughs> How are you?
2: i'm fine chris how are you how are you stephanie
0: good good i'm admiring number one the pennant behind you but number two the phillies it's like a 1986 tops card who's on there
2: you, oh michael jack. michael jack oh okay I have, yeah i grew i mean i i grew up in central jersey uh but i don't know i was a third baseman in little league and michael mike mike schmidt was my guy michael jack so I have um so yeah I kind of have a bit of a, a of a Mike uh Mike Schmidt uh appreciation uh shrine in the in the basement office and this is this is a Philadelphia athletics pennant I'm hmm. pointing to your listeners who can't see um <laughs> but that's yeah that's the old uh, before they moved to uh Kansas City and then Oakland they were based in Philly so yeah I gotta yeah this is my office and people call it a man cave but I I don't think uh there, there's too much crying in this in this space for it to be considered a man cave. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great office. So I, I love it here,
0: Pete. I, I I don't know if you saw it because you were kind of talking, but you said New Jersey, and Steph kind of took a step back because I've had many New Jersey people on here, and as soon as we start bonding about New Jersey, Steph makes fun of me because I talk about I show off some tattoos that I'm not going to. So <laughs> thank you. I've had many. We've had many New Jersey people. On the podcast, so all of a sudden she's like not ready for this. She wasn't ready for two New Jersey people.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not. well I mean, just just to put your mind at ease, Stephanie, I'm not going to like run through every line from Clerks and give you my my top ten favorite Springsteen songs. I'm just gonna, you know, it, I've been I've been out of Jersey for let's see, 2000. Wow, it's gonna be it's 11 years. So yeah, it's been wow. a while.
1: Well, you've we, been free for
2: a little while yeah we've, we've missed you
0: we've missed you man <laughs> thank
2: you I, I you know I you know Aberdeen represent I I miss that uh, I miss uh, Monmouth County uh you know a little a little bit less than less but yeah I was just home uh about two weeks about a week or so ago for a family thing so it was it's always so you're in Lawrenceville or where, where are you you're
0: yeah yeah I'm right like it's right outside of Princeton for people oh, yeah. that don't know where it is yeah so oh, we're okay. like the sort of central ish but north doesn't believe we're central and south doesn't believe we're central we're north and south to the opposite you're central so yeah but what i always like to say is uh you can leave new jersey but new jersey never really leaves you
2: yeah it's it's part it's part of your ethos i -hmm. think i i mean i i lived in jersey for uh, 35 how old am i yeah it's hard it's hard to do basic math these (laughs) days um
1: That was me the other day. I was like, I know that I know how old I am because of my parents' anniversary. Whatever, (laughs) whatever my parents celebrate in March. I know I'm turning that in November.
2: Oh, that's (laughs) good. yeah.
1: Yeah. That's nice. Yeah.
2: I, well, I was 33 when I, when I left Jersey. Um, yeah. And it's, it's so funny. I mean, there are things that, that stick, that stick with me. And one of them is like, you know, I'm forever critical of bagels and pizza. Uh, you know, I'm always, and it's also funny to me is how many people either lived in New Jersey or were born in New Jersey, or to school. I mean, it, or to college here in, in New Jersey, it's crazy. There's there's a there's a New Jersey is a pretty big connective tissue, um in in a lot of ways. So yeah, I, I I you know I, I mean I love my time in New Jersey. I love growing up there. My parents still live there. My wife and I still have family there. It's great. But yeah, you know, I'm very happy where I am now, which is Ithaca, New York. So. Okay. So it's not that
0: far away. I think Steph is just jealous of New Jersey.
1: <laughs> oh, is that it? Well,
0: yeah, cuz we all have this like he said it's this connective tissue, but no one's ever like, "Oh, you're from Maryland.
2: <gasps> Let's talk about Maryland." Yeah, but 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 uh, do you think anyone from any other states gets that New York City snobbery? Like that that's the one thing that I, I don't miss is going to like a party in like my brother used to live on the Upper East Side. So I'd go to, you know, I'd hang out with him and I'd go to, you know, I'd hang out in Brooklyn and you'd run into people and you'd have a good time. And you're having a beer with a couple of people and you say you're, I would say I'm from New Jersey and they would look at me like, they would look at me with the same reaction as if I just said, I like to strangle kittens. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's what's wrong with Jersey? It's, it's, it's a, you know, I I mean, it's, it's a, it's a wonderful, I, I love being here. I mean, it's, it, I love being there. I should say it was, it mm-hmm. was, it was wonderful. You got beaches, you got cities, you got close to New York, close to DC. I don't know. It's, it was, I have no regrets growing up there, but I don't know. Maybe Stephanie, you can dissuade <laughs> me from, from my nostalgic uh, ramblings here.
1: <laughs> I don't know. We went, so when I, in college, it was always the, the. All those Jersey kids are coming down and going to our school. <laughs> oh no! So we had kind of the same sort of disdain for Jersey for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's our Ocean Cities battling. Yeah, uh, I don't
2: know. It, it's 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 a st- it, there's a there's a certain stigma with New Jersey, especially when you, especially with New York. So I guess you went to school like in in New York City or.
1: No, where? in Maryland, in uh, um, Towson yeah. University. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. How did, how did that reputation, how did our reputation get sullied in Maryland? I don't know. We're... <laughs> sorry. Ah, you guys just talk about yourselves too much. <laughs> you, you Everybody <laughs> asks about us.
0: See, people, yeah. you're, from New Jersey, you're from New Jersey? People ask all the time. Yeah, <laughs> all the time.
2: Cool. Okay, yeah. I'm, pr- I'm a proud I'm a proud New Jersey. Or, well... I wasn't born in New Jersey, but I spent most of my life there. So I can start myself a Jersey.
0: Okay. So let's, uh, let's talk about that. When, when did, uh, does young Peter get into writing first? Does he get into the NBA first? What's that first magical moment?
2: Kind of at the same time. Like, you know, it it was, it was the damnedest thing. I I, 13 was sort of a a critical age for me in a lot of ways, because I really got into writing. I really got into the, I mean, there are two things I, I learned. I, I learned that I love to write and I, I learned that and I also know that I could, I could write fairly well, which when you're, which, which, when you're, when you're that age, when you, when you're told by adults that, Hey, you know what, you're pretty good at this. Or like, this is something that you're not, this is something that we're impressed by. That, that you kind I kind of felt like I had a key that I could kind of open a peek into the adult world a little bit. So I, I, I got into writing. I, I, you know, because of, um, you know, English classes in school. and then I went to Brook. I took a couple of summer classes at Brookdale Community College, um which was close to my house. And then around that time, I started getting an MBA. You know, I started to watch inside stuff on NBC and and fo- started to follow Michael Jordan a little bit, and that kind of was my gateway drug into following the Knicks who were on MSG network and reading the paper every day. and and just also the kid all the kids at school, you know, there were, there was it was funny. around that time, there were, there were more and more NBA fans and fewer and fewer baseball fans, which baseball is my first love. And it all just kind of came at the same time. I mean, riding probably came first and the NBA came second, but it was it was very it was it was neck and neck uh, for sure. Okay, and when did you combine the two? You know it's funny, I had the biggest aversion to sports riding for the longest time, and it's for, for two reasons. First, I read a book, when I was junior or senior year of college, and it's called The Worst Team Money Could Buy. And it's by John Halper and um, Bob Klapschitz, who is the, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, who was the uh, baseball columnist for the um, Bergen record. And they spent, and the book chronicles a year of these two men who worked for rival New New York papers, New York tabloids, covering the 1993 Mets, I believe, which was one of the most... Which is one of the worst teams of all time. That's a team with Bobby Benia, Brett Saberhagen, and all these other high, high-priced, uh, low-quality free agents. Kind of that kind of like infiltrated Queens. And reading that book, sports writing just seemed like the most, like the least glamorous job in the whole world. Like it just seemed like a grueling amount of work, and you don't get days off, and you're traveling all the time. It just, it just didn't seem like a particularly fun occupation and you know when you're writing you're not making a ton of money you're not you know you're not um you know you're it, it can be a hard profession so it didn't sound like anything I wanted to get into and then you know I worked at newspapers um for three or four years um in my early 20s and I worked near the sports department and those guys and inevitably it was, it was all men they just seemed like lost souls like they didn't they didn't they seemed like men that didn't really have their lives together and maybe I was just young and naive and didn't know how adults you know talked and progressed but watching those guys it just didn't seem like they were they, they seemed they seemed all they all seemed misplaced or, or 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 out of sorts and I just I I saw those two things and I thought you know what like I'd rather just I'd rather just try news and also I wanted to become a I wanted to be a film critic so that was another thing that I thought I could, I could be. And um, so, yeah, so I didn't really get into sports writing until I was in my early thirties when I wrote a couple pieces for Deadspin. And then it kind of, it kind of went from there. And, and that's a longer story that I, that I won't bore you guys with.
0: Do, well, first of all, I wanted to ask Steph, uh, Steph, can you please tell Pete that guys never get their life together? I mean, <laughs> it's not just sports writers. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it, it's all—it's all of them. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, I, I don't know. It just—it just seemed more acute there. Yeah, it was
1: just
2: it, a very <laughs> solid mean, group of them. Newsrooms, like newsrooms, are not newsrooms. Are these are these wonderful, um, these wonderful playpens mm. where you have, you know, just all these different walks of life. And I, mer- I remember working at the Trenton Times. Like you had the you had Princeton grads mingling with like you know, mingling with guys that like barely like graduated college or didn't go to college. You had young kids. You had, it was just this great mix. And in that mix, the sports department, the sports departments always seemed like just again, a drift. And I don't know, maybe, maybe if I worked at another newspaper, I'd be like, Hey, that's the place to be. But, you know, I worked for the Trent times. I worked for, um, the courier news, which is a Gannett paper in, in central Jersey. Mm. And it just, it didn't, it didn't seem like a particularly uh, attractive occupation, especially considering when at when those papers like you're covering girl you're covering like the scholastic sports you're covering like minor league sports there there just wasn't there was just no cachet and I thought you know what like this if this is the way to get to a, another level it just it, it didn't seem like it didn't seem like a, a good path it didn't seem like a comfortable path for me to take
1: mm-hmm. yeah I wonder if it would have been different in like a larger market then. Oh, I think that it so. was just kind of where you were versus yeah. um, the actual department.
2: For sure. Like, if, if I were at the Washington Post in, like, 1998 or 1999, and, you know, and I'm working at – I'm either working in the news department or I'm, or I'm interning at sports, and I turn around and, like, there's Rachel Nichols, and there's Tony Kornheiser, and there's Michael Wilbon, and there's Thomas Basel, that would probably be a very different – you're right, i probably have a very different feeling than, you know – a bunch of guys like in cutoff jeans and, and baseball caps, like trying to like do, you know, putting together the, uh, the, 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 like, the soccer section. It, it just, you're absolutely right. Stephanie. That might've been one of those things where if I went to a, like a more prestigious uh newspaper or with a more prestigious sports department, maybe I would have, maybe would have felt differently, but I don't know that's uh you know, past is prologue. No.
1: So you're you where you are now. So
2: oh, I'm thrilled where I am now. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, it took me a while to get here, but I, I love where I am now.
1: So you were big into sports as a
0: kid.
2: Did you ever dabble in watching wrestling? Yeah, I did. Oh, yeah. Back in the 80s. Oh, for sure. Like I had, I, I think, you know, I kind of had a, I had a um kind of a brief fling with like, I think like, my brother and I both had, had kind of the same thing. We had brief, we had good flings with MTV and, and the WWF. So like for a while, like in the mid 80s. Like, oh yeah, I would, you know, I was watching, you know, um, you know, WWF matches, um, you know, every Saturday and, you know, and sometimes I, you know, we would tape um, Saturday night special, oh, Saturday night main event, Saturday night main mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's so like, yeah, I mean, I had all the figure I had all the figures, the wrestling ring. I mean, I would create matches. Yeah. I, I mean, for a good three or four years, like that was a big part of my growing up. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I distinctly remember. Like I was a big fan of the Blue Blazer. I thought he was I thought he was great, even though he got his ass kicked every time. Mm. Every marquee guy he faced, he would just get like blasted. Mm. Um, so he I, I loved him, you know. Uh, my brother was an ultimate warrior guy, Jumpyard dog he loved. Mm. Um, you know, I still remember the first wrestling fair guy was Big John Stud. Oh, that was um, a good one. That was a good yeah. one. Um Do Also, I also have the wrestling album, so I and that might that might still be at my parents' house somewhere.
0: We just reviewed Pile Driver, the second album.
2: (laughs) Uh, the second album I forgot about, yes,
0: Pile Driver. I mean, you got to go back in the what I'm about to say archives, it was literally last episode. When you go back (laughs) to last episode and read where we uh uh, listened to when we did the review with Rob Naylor, it's very good. You'll relive all the great classics like Girls in Cars. And girls in cars and uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon singing, but
2: um, is, is there can anything can anything top grab them cakes? Is is there is there
0: junkyard dog? I think Steph didn't junkyard dog also have a song on the second one or am I no? Am
1: I Miss Mer? I don't know. Not was, that we there was Drive So
0: Bro by Re- the uh, by Slick. Mm-hmm. I thought he had maybe I'm thinking Hillbilly Jim had one on two albums that I thought was interesting. <laughs> so Hillbilly Jim. So it's funny you talk about. So the LJN characters that you're talking about, the Macho Man right there, you got the Big John Stud version. Have you ever oh. gone online? You got the Big, big John Stud figure, I should say. Have you ever <laughs> gone online and ever looked at them uh, in package, what they're worth?
2: Oh, I can't imagine. They're probably exorbitant, right? Insane yeah, amounts of money. Yeah.
0: Especially especially because there's variants. There's one, I don't know if, if you remember this, and we could do a whole podcast on this alone. Yeah, the figures are
2: crazy because there's variations. Yeah, yeah.
0: there was a variation where the original Andre had long curly hair. Yeah, And then they ran out of those. And then when they made him, he had cut his hair on TV. So they gave him short hair, the original long curly hair one in a package. Like, I feel like it's over 500, possibly a thousand dollars or more, possibly more.
2: That's crazy. I mean, the the ones, I mean, I got rid of them long ago and we, you know, my brother and I, my brother, Dave, we, we took them out of the box and just played the hell out of them. Like, Mm. and it's funny, those, those, those figure, those, those figures, like they were not built to last. Like, I mean, they were just, I mean, you played with them for three minutes and they were scuffed. They'd have like the purple marks on them, Mm. you know, but I don't know. I love, I mean, I love those figures it's like when I was eight, nine, 10 years old, I mean, again, I remember being in my bedroom creating matches, you know, Mm. like these, like these, these, you know, like, you know, stars facing each other. And, and yeah, I, I have a, I have a fond memory. I have fond memories of the WWF. And it's funny. I, but that, I don't know, I, I didn't really, I think when I was like past 12 years old, I just, I started getting into basketball. Baseball's always my sport. And, you know, I kind of le- I kind of left, you know, pro wrestling behind. But it's, mm-hmm. what's amazing to me is, and this is going to be the most obvious observation to your listeners. But what's amazing to me is that it was huge when I was a kid. I mean, Hulk Hogan was a, was an international celebrity. Under the John was an international celebrity. And now it is just, it is a whole other level and Mm -hmm. even going back and and you know looking back at stuff for the uh, you know in the 90s i forgot just how big you know you have the two rival the wcw wwf facing off like i forgot how big that was and Mm -hmm. it's a it's just i mean it's it's an entertainment conglomerate and it's just it just keeps on growing and growing it's crazy Mm -hmm. to
0: Well, that's, it's a good segue because that's one of the reasons we brought you on the show today. We're going to be talking about, because you are an NBA aficionado, we're going to be talking about (laughs) when Dennis Rodman and Carl Malone wrestled in WCW. So when you said you kind of fell out, I too, as a kid fell out right around the same time, like Mm -hmm. early nineties, 92, 93, I started, and then I came back in with the wars between WCW and WWF. And that's when this was all going on. Right. And so you're, you've got the background in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And so I've been looking back at some of the old matches, especially with the move now over to Peacock and stuff. Sure. sure. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do this episode was, and Steph and I actually had to talk about this right before we got on the show, because we were just, you know, spitballing Mm -hmm. ideas and stuff. The actual magnitude of two, First, let's talk about the superstars that Rodman and Malone were at the moment that they're wrestling with for WCW, number one. And Mm -hmm. number two, putting it in today's NBA landscape, like imagine two of the biggest stars in the NBA were like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to AEW for a week and go train like during the finals, during the playoffs. So first, talk about the magnitude of how big Rodman and Malone were at the time.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. And that's and that's one thing in going back and doing my homework mm. that stuck out to me was that, I mean, these, it wasn't like a two bench bench guys or like two marginal. The, the, these were legitimate superstars. Now, Rodman, it's, it's hard to forget just how ubiquitous Dennis Rodman was as a celebrity in the mid 1990s, because now he's sort of this sad sack who hangs out with dictators and, you know, has kind of just, been always been someone who can't get his life in order but back in 1995 96 97 when he was with the bulls 98 he was everywhere i mean he had two best-selling books he was married to carmen electra who at that time was a you know playboy model who was you know hopping on to singled out and baywatch She's she's a big star um and, and he and he was somebody who, and he had his own show on mtv robin world tour so he was, I mean, and he was just, he was a bona fide celebrity. He was somebody that, like, if your parents didn't know basketball, they knew they they knew Michael Jordan and they would probably know Dennis Rodman because he was just, he was a character. He would really, he really was a wrestling character brought into the brought into real life. I mean, he was somebody who, I mean, again, he had his hair dyed every conceivable color. He was, you know, he married himself at a book signing. Uh, you know, he was and he was. He was a. He had this this. Uh, he had this appeal, this re, this rebel appeal that people just gravitated toward, and a lot of it was because he was a f- phenomenal basketball player. He was a great rebounder. He, he he was a winning player too. That that's another important thing to remember. Winning forgives a lot of sins. So if you're Dennis Rodman and you win five championships at the by the end of your NBA career, people tend to. People tend to focus more on that than the fact that you skipped out on um, you skipped out on your team in the middle of a finals run. Mm-hmm. But he was. But but what's funny fascinating about Dennis Rodman is two things. And the first thing is this: I think, and this coincides really well with the with the whole WCW era and, and the WD era, WWE era. Folks like The Rock and Steve, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Robin really is kind of, the, in, in my memory, was one of the first like true anti-heroes that kind of came out in, in, in sports and an anti-hero who just kind of crossed into mainstream popularity. Like, it, and, and that's the thing, you know, in, in his book on Alan Iverson, Kent Babb kind of writes that I- Iverson sort of came along during an era where, you know, the anti-hero was big, you know, Tony Soprano and, and I guess Pref- Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I would say that Robin prefaced those guys. And, you know, and, and so, I mean, he was just, I mean, he was not only just a, a, a basketball celebrity, he was a cultural figure. So that's the first, par- first part of this, of this matchup. As for Carmelo, Malone, you know, he, he's not, he's, de- he's not Dennis Rodman. You couldn't yeah. get more polar opposite. <laughs> yeah. he, he is a God loving country boy from Louisiana. You know, he is, he, you know, he was somebody who loved the outdoors. He was, you know, he had, he had his, he owned his own 18 wheeler and was just, you know, just bought it and would just drive across country. You know, he was very much country and outdoors and like as, as sparkling and as dynamic as tap water. Mm-hmm. So, but so, but come alone was also often, a, a, again, a silently boringly great basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know we, when you think of the NBA, you think of folks like Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and Alan Iverson these showmen the, these these entertainers and Carmelo really wasn't like that he was he was a meat and potatoes player but he was somebody who delivered to you to extend this torture food analogy he delivered you filet mignon and you know a great baked potato and a full state dinner every night he was he was you know he was a, a part of the original dream team uh, you know, he was somebody who was, you know, scored over thirty thousand points, which is a major milestone in in MB- in the NBA. So yeah, he was a superstar. But he was somebody who, if you're a parent, you can say, oh, you could be like Carmelo. If you eat your vitamins and drink your milk and you know say your prayers, you could be Hulk Hogan or you could be Carmelo. Um, I'm not going to get into Carmelone's sorted past. Um, that's probably better for another episode. Mm-hmm. But or, but in terms of the superficial. Uh, side of it you're absolutely right you couldn't have two more you could have two more different NBA players and personalities facing off in this match which I think is why it works why it works so well and why it was so popular
0: yeah uh, and one thing too that kind of escaped me when it first happened because it was 1998 I'm in college like yeah, I sure. really don't quite know how the world works yet I see Dennis Rodman and Karl Malone in a WCW ring and I ring and I think, okay, there's some type of deal going on here, either between Turner sports. Like there's some type of okays going on by higher up, Mm -hmm. but now that I'm older and see the business side of it, like I can't even fathom how two marquee players with their teams that deep in the playoffs were allowed to get away with, I mean, Carl Malone had to, they both had to train to become wrestlers. So Malone's literally, taking bumps and doing things while the playoffs are going on.
2: Yeah. Well, that match, I think that match, if memory serves, I think it was, I think it was after the finals, wasn't it? It was, it was, right. but, but, but here's the thing that's, that's, crazy to me now. Like this is 1998. Mm-hmm. So it's not as if the NBA is in its, um, in its goosey goosey stage, right. like trying to find its way in the world and needs to do whatever it can, what needs to do whatever it, whatever it needs to do to get ratings and get appeal. Like, it was an established multi-billion-dollar organization at that point. Mm-hmm. So, and with that, and with that being said, you the players are now becoming are now increasingly valuable because you're paying more and more money for 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 these stars, Carmelo being prime example, Dennis Rodman a prime example. So, I cannot imagine how their agents convinced Jerry um, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and um larry miller the owners of the of the bulls and the jazz respectively to sign off on this Mm. because i mean for because wrestling is such a physical physically demanding sport and it's and you are just i mean and these guys they're relying on their bodies to make for for their living and not only that they're in their 30s like they're in their mid-30s at this time so they're not spring chickens Mm. so i I, so it is amazing to me that this that this happened and as you said earlier with two with two superstars like with two stars that are just you know that are that are n- nationally known names it it is it is inconceivable I, I can't imagine anybody doing this now the nba would have a shit fit <laughs> if you know if 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 his McMahon called you know uh adam silver the nba community said hey you know i want to get lebron james and uh james harden you know in a steel cage match you know in july like can we can we do that mm-hmm. you know that conversation would last three seconds it, it's but it, it's but it's it's crazy I, I also think it shows the appeal of wrestling i mean these you know there's you know this it you know there's a clip in a, in, a, in one of the documentaries where you know i think Dal, uh, diamond dallas Page says that you know carl malone wanted to be a wrestler first mm-hmm. you know and also like these, you know, these wrestlers, you know, I'm sorry, the wrestlers back in 90, like, they're, they're major celebrities. Like it's a big deal. Like Hulk Hogan, M- M- Master, they're, they're huge. So like these, and these kids, like these players, there's a good chance they grew up watching those matches. So it's, it's, so it ha- so that it happened is, isn't surprising because of the love that the, that, that the players had for the sport and for the, and for the wrestlers. But it is, it is mind boggling that it even happened. I, I can't imagine, you know, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy.
1: Yeah. When Chris was first telling me about this, cause I didn't even know this happened until he just told me <laughs> like, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. I was like, because it's so unfathomable, you're, you're like, there's no way this would ever happen. No. And then I was doing the timeline of it and I was like, it had to be in the off season. Right. And that's when Chris was like, no, he skipped a uh, practice. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, Robin, skipped, Robin skipped practice to do like a, 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 a uh, right. A, like a, a, just, oh, a, just an interview on in one segment.
0: So, promo. so Yeah, so uh, he was doing a promo. So Steph and I were were talking about this before, and we were saying, like, she brought up a good point that that could never happen now. Because, yeah. so Dennis Rodman disappears, doesn't go to practice. Yeah. Back then, you called. If you couldn't find Dennis, you couldn't find Dennis. But now, exactly. with phones and social media, like, the, people, the, the popcorn guy at WCW would be like, hey, Dennis Rodman's here, and take yeah. a picture and put it on Twitter, and it's all over the place. So you couldn't actually get
2: right even anything done under this cover of night. And that's the problem now is that everything is chronicled. You know, everything. You know, if you're a celebrity, you can't you can't get a hot dog without getting a thousand without someone covertly snapping a shot. And that's the thing too. It can be done covertly. Mm -hmm. You know, back in the days you had I don't know, you had those uh (laughs) you know these cameras that now look like loaves of bread and you had to stop somebody, go up and take a photo. And now it's just, you know, it is Yeah, you could not do this now. You couldn't. Mm -hmm. It'd be impossible. I mean, Robin wouldn't be able to get through the stage door Mm -hmm. to get this to work. Because again, it's not only it's not only just the the social media, well, it's not only the fact that everyone has a camera now, but it's also that everyone is really a reporter, if you think about it. So, like if if somebody if so if some low-level employee um, at WCW, you know, um, if this happened today, mm. if some low if, if level WCW employee like took a quick photo or, you know, tweeted out something in 30 seconds, that's being picked up by everybody. And mm. it's just snowballing and snowballing. So it's, you know, it, again, you hate to, I hate to use a phrase a simpler time mm. because I don't think that concept exists, but really if you look back at, you know, 1998, when we're talking about the fact that you have these these professional athletes involved in this, this giants, you know, this giant event you have, you know, Dennis Robbins sneaking out in the cover of night, no one can reach him. It sounds so quaint in 20, <laughs> in, in, in 2021. Mm-hmm. It really does. Yeah. It, it's funny. You touched on the, the, the secret of it
0: all and how mm-hmm. you know people couldn't keep their mouth shut, but, um, Steph and I were just talking about there was a picture that came out this week. So are you, are you familiar with AEW on TNT? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, okay. man,
2: I'm not going to be, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but yeah, I know. I know it's okay. You.
0: Just, just want to make sure, just want to make sure you knew there was another federation. Cause some people don't even know that there's another <laughs> federation, but yeah. someone snuck a picture backstage of, so they had like a big kind of whiteboard with everything written about matches and stuff like that. And right next to that was a printed sign that said spoilers will lose you jobs. So basically they're warning you like if you take any pictures or you put anything out there that's not supposed to be out there you're going to lose your job. You know, and back then you didn't have to worry about that because there wasn't like you said a janitor with a phone and a Snapchat account.
2: No, but now you have
0: to worry about that type of
2: stuff. Yeah, I mean you may, maybe look, look, maybe you ha- you had basically TV, right? You had the, the local news, national news, and you had you had newspapers at that time. The internet was the internet was it was in its nascent stage as a news gathering outfit. So, yeah, I mean, there was that. So, yeah, it, it, but now again, as you said, like someone takes a photo or someone, you know, and that becomes news and that becomes aggregated. And, you know, it, it becomes, it, it just, it's a moment can become an entire news story. And mm-hmm. uh, that's, that didn't exist in
0: 1998. No. L- let's talk about it from this other angle. So, I've listened to a lot of, Podcast with Eric Bischoff, where who was the head of the WCW at the time, and yep. he talked about this. And he said a lot of times he would do things not just sports related, but his goal was to bring people in who could get him initially free publicity. So putting out an ad in USA Today for WCW would cost money, but if you did something on the show that got either in USA Today or got morning talk shows talking to him, that was free publicity. Mm -hmm. So when you get the two biggest stars in the NBA Mm -hmm. to be a part of WCW, that will get people talking now, not just that. So we were looking at the the numbers, the 98 finals, the final game is still the highest rated NBA game of all time. Had like 35 million, 36 million people Mm -hmm. during that series. Malone and Rodman got into it on the sideline as almost like part of the angle. Like, you can't get that's 35 million people who saw them arguing who are then now thinking, Oh wait, well then they're going to go to a wrestling ring.
2: I should probably watch that too. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that's funny about that is, you know, yeah. And that's a brilliant maneuver and, you know, and, and that's, you know, and that's a, that's a brilliant piece of marketing. And what's funny about that is the NBA was the same way, you know, the NBA was always looking for ways um, and I write about this in the book. They're always looking for ways to to market and and, and promote that didn't cost a dime. Because you're right, you put a, you put a an ad in in USA Today. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Like you know, people will skip over that before they get to the horoscopes. But you know, when you have that sort of in game action where you can't you can't you can't avoid it, that that's a huge thing. And that, and that's one thing about the about professional wrestling that is just that continues to amaze me is just the promotional aspects. The promotional genius involved in it is crazy. And there's no, and it's no accident that Vince McMahon and Dick Ebersole, uh, the former president of NBC, NBC sports, they, you know, those gentlemen also co-founded the, uh, the, the XFL. There's a reason why they're friends because they, they, they think, I think they think the same way. And David Stern, the commissioner of the NBA was the same way. You're always looking for a way to promote your sport to the most number of people. And if you can do it without, without spending a dime, that's gravy. Um, but yeah, that's, and yeah, I listen to, I think we listened to the same interviews with Bischoff and it's, what's so great about that. He's so gleeful about doing that. He's so gleeful about being able to pull the strings to make that work. And I, and my response is, you know, I'm an NBA fan, but I say, you know, good for you, man. Like it didn't, it didn't affect the game. You know, it didn't, you know, no one, no one got hurt. You know, it was, and that's part, you know, and that's also that's what the fans want. Like, if you look at game six, the last game, uh, you know, Malone and, and Raman really do get it, they get into it, and a lot of it is theatrical, and you can tell because like they're patting each other on the ass after like their their tiffs. Like the crowd is really into it. And if you're if you're an NBA executor, an NBA fan, you're you're going right along with that. And you know, again, that's what the NBA wanted. The NBA back in the you know, late 80s, they wanted they wanted their the games to be entertainment. They wanted the they wanted their arenas to be theme parks. Mm-hmm. So really, I mean, you can you you know, I'm sure the NBA at the time scoffed at, at this whole notion of Robin and, and Malone being in this being in this match. And you know, in in looking in rewatching Game Six, Bob Costas throws in a jab about how this you know how Malone is degrading himself being in this upcoming match. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, the, w, the professional wrestling and the NBA—they're very similar in terms of how they generate fan interest. In terms of how, in terms of how they get folks into the game. You know, the introduction to an NBA game, and you know, the, and, a, and 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 a, a players walk up the ramp to the ring. There's really not a lot of not a lot of differences. It's kind of the same. It's from the same, the same motivation, which is to get people interested in about what they're going to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. Steph, let me ask you this question, because you were you got into wrestling a little bit late and you got into the NBA a little bit late. Like P was just saying where uh, Rodman and Malone got into it on the court, but then you kind of saw them that they're like kind of like patting each other. If you were to see that and know what was going on, would you think to yourself, okay, is wrestling fake or is the NBA fake?
1: Yeah, I mean, it would make me question it for sure because you wonder what was actually scripted or what wasn't. Like, hmm. okay, what is this a product of the match or the game?
0: Yeah, and like, what are they promoting? Direction.
1: Here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, clearly, it's some sort of cross promotion thing, which it sounds like it wasn't that. It wasn't was supposed really. to be. No, it yeah. became that. Yeah. Which was great. But I think without having that planning, it at least felt more authentic. Yeah.
0: I, I feel like what would make it feel a little bit more insider and kind of shenanigans going on is that it was all on the same network. So WCW Nitro was on TNT. The finals were on TNT. They were on TNT. They were on NBC so,
2: actually. Oh, they are on NBC. That's yeah, right. TNT was TNT. Uh, Turner Sports was a partner. Was a partner. TNT. Okay. So then it then it would change that. I thought because sometimes the final or the final sometimes on TNT, right? No the final the finals are the finals are have always been okay um on on a on a net on one of the big three networks so yeah right. it, it's it's I mean that could very well change though I mean yeah yeah so maybe that's what I was thinking
0: I was like maybe that would bring in you would think even more shenanigans if they were all on the same network but they're not but yeah yeah so Turner Sports was a part of it
2: yeah I mean they're part of they're I mean yeah I mean they they were they were part of it in terms of their I mean the and they still do, and Turner still does is now TNT mm. there, you know, they have, they, they run games, uh, I think two or three nights a week through the regular season. And, they, and then they show a good, healthy portion of the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it'd be interesting to see how TNT played that during the playoffs, like mm. how they mentioned it. Did they mention it? Like when there was a shot of Carmelo, alone, did you know, was there, was there a motivation or was there a, a thought to cross promote? Um, that I, that would be interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. So we don't see, I mean, we saw Shaq do the thing with AEW, but Shaq is on TNT and he's retired. That's a little bit different. Yeah. But Why do you think the WWE doesn't do more with the NBA now? Now I'm not talking about putting wrestlers in the ring, mm-hmm. but I feel like there could be some type of crossover there. Why do you think there's not?
2: That's a good question. Well, I think the WWE doesn't need it. You know, the WWE is its own entity. It's its own universe. And they have, and they have stars that can support themselves. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to think like back in, back in, in the day with WrestleMania, I remember Bob Euchre hosting, I think it was WrestleMania three or four, hmm. Um, you know, you had, you had, you know, the, these sort of kitschy celebrity things. And I think now it, it's. You know these wrestlers, wrestlers are, are just—they're celebrities onto themselves. They don't need the support of necessarily of, of, of an athlete like mm-hmm. that, like to have. You know, and I think, I think the other thing too is I think there there would be this there there would be people on both sides who would just be angry about it. You know, because again, you know, I think NBA fans, and I'm one of them. I think we tend to be possessive. Like, you know, you want to see LeBron James, like just do basketball things or you want to see Giannis Antetokounmpo do basketball things, um, you know, and so to see it, so it, it would kind of be, I think it'd be more of a kitschy thing. I mean, back in the eighties, that was, we didn't have humor was different back then. So, and and also it wasn't, we weren't as cynical. So you could do a a celebrity tie-in and it would be okay. And there wouldn't be a problem with it now, but now wow. I just think it would be, it would be kitschy and weird and it would also kind of deflate the fan deflate the not the fantasy but deflate what you're watching you know mm. I, I think i mean honestly i mean what, what do you guys think like if if all of a sudden like you're watching raw or i don't know or or a pay-per-view and like okay like in coming up in 20 minutes um Kyrie irving and um Uh, LeBron James are are gonna have like a steel cage match with I don't know I mean what would you guys think would you be like oh that's great or like you know I'm gonna get a sandwich
1: I mean it it kind of ties back to our exact feelings that I think we all recently had with finding out Shaq was gonna be on AEW or like "Uh, this is this is what we're doing yeah. Like, how is this going to go? It ended up being fantastic. Blew right. our minds. Didn't expect it. But you're still like, this isn't what I'm tuning in for. Clearly, this is to get other eyes on the product mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. for the current wrestling fan. Yeah. When I was looking everything up earlier, because I wanted to see if anything else had happened since then, I did see that, um, was that Inez Cantor? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. He did um make an appearance in September 19 and won the uh 24/7 championship from our Truth for a second. I do remember that. Yeah. He oh, showed okay. up because what it was in New York and it was after he left and was for playing for the Celtics. So he had like a zip oh. up and then he after he won it, I think he unzipped and showed the Celtics jersey as a big heel <laughs> moment. Uh, and has talked about wanting to be a wrestler. And yeah. it, he actually mentioned that uh, he was offered a contract.
2: I forgot about that. I forgot about Cantor being. being he's huge. He's a big dude. A big dude. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. But also, I, you know, what it is. I think back in. And again, I'm completely theorizing here and I'm curious to hear what you guys think. But like in the 80s and 90s with, with professional wrestling, I, I. I'm again, theorizing to have a select to have celebrities involved, to have professional athletes involved gave the sport credibility which maybe didn't have and maybe it maybe it needed more more eyeballs maybe needed more crossover appeal i don't think you need that anymore you know maybe maybe if the pro maybe it maybe if the product or the ratings were sagging you could say okay well let's bring in you know do this celebrity thing but now you don't need that because again like it's amazing to me every time there's a wrestlemania how much coverage there is and that was, that didn't exist when I was a kid that didn't exist. I mean, I don't think that existed even 10 years ago, but like now it's just these event the wrestling events now are just so big and they're just, they're these, they're so popular. Like you don't need to have like, okay, we're going to bring in this person to give it some credibility with people that might be skeptical. Like there's no, there's, there's mm-hmm. not much of that anymore. I think. This is one of the things that I think is the big difference because, I mean, they've been doing
0: this for years. I mean, in the 40s and 50s, you would have football players who crossed Mm -hmm. over and like different sports athletes.
2: Right.
0: I think it and they still do it now. I think the original reason they did it in the business was getting people interested in a different sport could translate to ticket sales. which is what they wanted. So if somebody saw their favorite football player and he went to go wrestle and you wanted, you were buying, you were physically buying tickets. Mm -hmm. Whereas now you're fighting for eyeballs, eyeballs to go to your TV station. It's very hard to convince people to watch a new show, especially to get wrapped into a new show. So if, if, the point is to take wrestlers and have them cross over to watch NBA games. You can get into the NBA because every game is new. Every day is a new day. All you have to do is open the newspaper or look up online and look at the standings and you get the story. Right. But for me to be an NBA fan to go to watch wrestling, I then have to go, okay, well, then after this, rest, after this, Basketball player is gone. This next guy comes in. Who's this guy? I don't know this guy. Who's he wrestling? I don't know this guy either. And there's like so much backstory that you have to get that there's no way people are going to. It's like trying to get somebody to watch Breaking Bad in season four. <laughs> and you know Because there's a cameo in season four of an actor that they like and they go, OK, well, I guess I'll start watching from season four. It's just it doesn't work that way. Before, when they brought in celebrities, it was to for ticket sales. Now it's for eyeballs and eyeballs are way harder to get.
2: Yeah. I, I, that makes a lot of sense to me. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, it's like
1: the whole thing they're doing with Bad Bunny now. Or I guess they're done with now right. with Bad Bunny just coming in and they finally, after WrestleMania, did like the handoff of the briefcase and announced Bad Bunny's tour. Mm-hmm. So kind of got those eyes on him and then pushed people to his tour. But I, yeah, you don't see it as much anymore for sure. It just, and I,
2: yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Well, we've also talked about it being different in the sense that you don't have those big stars. Like, WWE doesn't make big Hollywood stars like they did before. You don't have that anymore. So, I don't know if sometimes they bring that in to try and get that. But Mm -hmm. we've had this conversation before that, like, your Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch and them right now aren't going to be recognized on the street by people like The Rock is going to get recognized yeah. back then?
2: No, it's there's a lot of competing factors, and it's especially now social media. And you know, again, there's there's more there's more options to watch anything. I mean, you have, I mean, streaming streaming has sort of changed. I think changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's there is such competition, and I it's it's and it's so yeah. I mean, I, I think you're you're always you always have to reinvent yourself and you always, you can't, you can't be complacent, but yeah, it's, it's a, I don't know. It's just the, it's pro wrestling to me. is just fascinating in terms of just, again, I, I, but I do think the mainstream appeal is just so, it's so potent now. Like, and back in the day, like I remember like when I was, you know, a kid, um, you'd say you like wrestling and, you know, some people would kind of like give you a, like a weird look like, huh, really? Or an adult, especially forget adults. Like they, 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 they were just agog, and now it's it's become. I I, I mean, I, honestly, I'm amazed at the progress that wrestling has made in terms of being just a a sport that just has gotten like mainstream appeal. It's mm. it's. I mean that 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 consistently surprises me.
0: Well, the crossovers. I mean, they probably work now. They might not work now. The crossover did work in 1998. Yes, it did. The pay per view buys. It was the second biggest WCW pay per view of all time. It Mm -hmm. had 580,000 buys. It was second only to the final blow off of Hulk Hogan versus Sting, which took a year to build up. So we can
2: argue that it worked. Yeah, it did. But, but again, this is 23 years ago. And Mm -hmm. again, it's so, so much, so much has changed. Mm -hmm. I mean, and not to sound like, you know, someone's grandpa, but like it, it worked big time. And, but a, a a big part of it, Orton, we alluded to this earlier, is that you had a well washed finals mm-hmm. with you know with 30 you we know, 30, you know, million people, you know, at its peak watching these watching these games. And you also have two familiar prop two familiar uh, I don't want to call them properties, but you have two familiar athletes in Carl mm-hmm. Malone and, and Dennis Raman. So that and you're also seeing them in a different light. You know, with with Robin, you're seeing him in his natural habitat almost because he he's a born entertainer. And come Malone, there's 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 sort of this gawk of like, really, he's he's wrestling? He's gonna do? So yeah, there's there's a big there's a big thing with that. Here's the thing though, do you think you could keep doing that? Do you think do you think WCW, WWE could have kept could have kept going back to that well. Like, okay, ninety nine, we're going to bring these two stars in, or in, in two thousand, we'll bring these two stars in. Do you think it could have worked, or, think, or do you think this was lightning in a bottle?
0: Steph, you want to go on that one?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think it could. I think it was just so special yeah. and surprising that if it was something that was to be repeated every year with different people, it just wouldn't yeah. feel as authentic.
2: Yeah,
0: I agree with that. And I also feel like we said lighting in a bottle. Like, I wonder if it would have been as big of pay-per-view buys if the Jazz and the Bulls both lost in the conference finals and they weren't in the finals. Yeah. And you didn't have that build up in the NBA finals. Like, would it have been just Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman in a ring? Or was it Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman who fought in the NBA finals are now in a ring?
1: Well, wasn't it? I believe when I was listening to Bischoff, unless I heard wrong, that it kind of seemed like they just happened to play each other in the finals. It's that, not like that saying. was the plan. Yeah, right. yeah, but would but it have it been was, as big if they didn't make it to it the ha- finals? If it hadn't gotten there? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, I don't think it would have. I because again, you have you have a gr- you have a great preface to the to this main event. You have s- six games of these two guys playing the same position, facing off against each other. Mm. And uh, you know, a- as we mentioned earlier, you know they they mix it up to get drum up that interest to kind of have that um uh, that that uh, guerrilla marketing going. And mm. yeah, I mean, I think it, it, it worked out perfectly. I I don't. It, that's the thing, because you're you. It also it's perfectly it's perfect too. Because if these guys are out by May, right? If they were eliminating the conference finals and let's say late May, that's you're now looking at a two month gap between their NBA season and the a, and the match. Here it's three weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. So that's still fresh, and that's still so there's still momentum to come for to to be built from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think I mean. Again, the stars aligned. I agree with you guys, and I think I think the stars aligned really well with this. And you know, I I don't think it, it wouldn't have had the same pizzazz if it had been okay. Well, instead of the Bulls and the Jazz, we have um, you know the Pacers and you know the Lakers. It, it wouldn't have been the same. The same. The dynamic wouldn't have been there,
1: and you wouldn't have had that those moments on court either, where <laughs> they were able to play that up because yep. you know what extra that added to those pay per view buys yeah. because of that.
0: Here's something that we also didn't touch on too that I think helped tremendously. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, they were by no means technicians or well-trained wrestlers, Mm -hmm. but Malone and Rodman at least looked believable in the ring. Like when Malone was locking up with Hulk Hogan, who used to be this larger than life character, Carl Malone was taller. Carl Malone was just as big. He was in really good shape. You look at Rodman, like his, his entire career was about rebounding and being tough. So you believe there's an air of believability. So they've got two guys who also, you were kind of like, okay, maybe they could kick someone's ass in a, in a wrestling ring.
2: Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I I, watching the clips, like it's, I mean, yeah, they're not, you know, they're not, you know, they're not, as you said, they're not technicians. They're not, Mm -hmm. but they, but again, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a wrestling, a wrestling aficionado like you guys are. But it's like, it's passable. It's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're selling, they're selling, they're selling the moves. They're, you know, they're committed to it. Um, they, they, and they care, you know, that's the thing too. You know, you can, you can get away with a lot, with a lot, if you have enthusiasm, you know, if they were, if, and, and that's the thing too, you know, it's, it's, these guys are multimillionaires and they're going at it. That's, a that's <laughs> another part of this that just is, again, boggles my mind. They're, they're, they're committing to this and, you know, I mean, and, and Robin got, you know, got the the diamond cutter, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, so that that's the thing that blows my mind is that they weren't half-assing it. Mm-hmm. They were, they didn't just make an appearance, wave to the crowd, went on their way. They they were, they were into this. And I think that, and as I said before, that goes, that goes a long way, especially if you're a fan that with like low expectations, you know, they met them and, and exceeded them, I sh- I'll say. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's what I was surprised when I was looking and when I was watching it back that they were actually hitting moves on each other and fairly oh. well for not having that experience. That's terrifying putting people in those situations because a lot of times it's the wrestlers that are making it look good or selling it or mm-hmm. doing what they're supposed to be doing to yeah. to make it look good. So can we, can we talk about
2: the one thing that that stuck about stuck out about that match? And this is going to be really ridiculous, but Carmelo's pants. Can we
0: talk about <laughs> very. That? Very purple. Well, they're supposed to kind of match Diamond Dallas pages at the yeah. time a little bit, but they were very purple and very like faux leatherish. Yes, they were.
2: It was a little jarring. I mean, Robin comes out like with the jeans and t-shirt looking, I guess, looking like, you know, the badass that he was portrayed, that he had portrayed himself to be. And Malone comes out, you know, in those real purpley pants. And it was like, mm. yeah, I guess, I mean, it, it kind of fit in with the with the early, with the, sorry, the late 90s. Uh, yeah. Look, So, yeah, I mean, but, but that, that that was like, like was a little jarring to start my viewing with.
0: But I will say, though, at least, I mean, Malone put some effort into those pants that he's only going to wear once. I mean, you're not wearing those out.
2: <laughs> no, you're not wearing. I mean, also, it also goes to show you, too, like how ridiculously fit you have to be to pull that off. Mm-hmm. Like if you have an ounce of fat anywhere, like those things... You look like a you look like a windsock or, or like <laughs> or like a, or like a sausage casing, mm-hmm. and I mean that's the thing like he 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 pulled them off. I mean that's it's he I mean he was one of those guys who was in remark I mean, he was always in remarkable shape, and he was somebody who I'll never forget this quote. He was asked for his fitness regimen, like what do you do? Because he was a, he was a big hulking guy. And he said like, no, I'm not telling you my secrets. Like I don't, you know, you know, does, does does the U S army tell the Iraqis like what their training secrets are? No. So I'm not going to tell you my secrets. So yeah. So kudos to Malone to wear those pants. I mean, that's if you, if you, if you got it, flaunt it. So good for him.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's a famous story that I've heard on a bunch. I don't remember who the teammate was, but a teammate of Malone's became a motivational speaker. It's um, I think it's Mark Eaton. Is it? Okay.
2: Yeah. He, he's, he's a motivational speaker and yeah, they were teammates for a while, My, but it could be somebody else.
0: I mean, it's gotta be, I mean, uh, what are the chances that he's got multiple motivational speaker, uh, ex teammates? So the story was, sorry, the story was that, um, i say, let's say it was eaten and Malone went to, uh, out to dinner together mm-hmm. and Malone asked for grilled chicken.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so he gets the grilled chicken And they bring it to the table and it's got like the grill marks, like the char marks on it. He sends it back because the grills have carcinogens and he doesn't want to risk it. So he asks for them, like, I don't know how they would grill it without grill marks. (laughs) And so his teammate was like, I'll take them, I'll eat them. (laughs) Like I'm not sending them back, like order more, I'll I'll eat them for you. And you but that that's how serious he was about his fitness regimen
2: now he was in create he's he was in crazy in crazy good shape and this is before and this is before that became the norm so like, yes. yeah yeah you know Carmelo is like oh man he's an adonis look at him he's just because you know because players because you know players at the time weren't you know weightlifting really wasn't you know normal it was yeah. it was yeah. just becoming a thing so Carmelo comes along this guy's just like built like a like a truck and he stood out um but yeah, he played. I mean, that's a remarkable thing about Carmelo. He gets he gets forgotten about a lot. But he played for let's see, eighty five, almost twenty years, and he played mm-hmm. at a very high level for most of those years. He was rarely injured. He had he he worked on his on his mid range game. He was a really good jump shooter. Of course, paired with John Stockton for all those years in Utah. You know, got to two finals. He had a remarkable career. You know, it, it, you know, maybe not the most political. I mean people seem to like him maybe not the most um worldly guy but you know what he's beloved he was beloved in utah i mean he is you know if he moved there and ran for ran for may um pardon governor there he was, hmm. he'd win in a landslide he's beloved there and yeah it's well, yeah
0: i mean if a wrestler can win governor why can't that's um, it's
2: right. oh, <laughs> you know, funny i always forget about that and yeah. what's, what's crazy is that that happened. That also happened around the same time. At ninety nine, I think Ventura got the governorship yeah. in Minnesota. Yeah.
0: yeah, and he showed up at a WWE pay per view when he was governor.
2: Wow, I completely forgot about
0: that. Yeah, it's best that we do.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm, good. I'm, I'm good with with overlooking the uh, Jesse the Body Ventura uh, <laughs> governor uh, uh, reign. But if you want to talk about <laughs> work in the Running Man, like I'm, I'm all
0: good. Great to go movie. There. Great uh, movie. Welcome. So before we wrap things up, let's talk about the book, which came today. Hey, I got it today in my mailbox. They must've known you were going to be on today. Let's talk about the book real quick.
2: It's it's a little, I apologize for for being so sluggish. I don't know what's going on. Maybe the book's not selling well and they're just, you know, sending it uh, like on a, on a, uh, on like a cattle truck or something, but glad you got it.
0: I can tell you're a writer.
2: You're so negative. (laughs) Hey, look, you know, I, you, you don't, uh, yeah, uh, I haven't had healthy self-esteem since like second grade. So yeah, I'm very much, this, this is, this is my level. Yeah. That's why you should have stayed in New Jersey. <laughs> we, we've got it in spades. Oh man. <laughs> in New Jersey, yeah. I, New Jersey is, yeah, there is, there is a sarcasm and a, a bring it down a notch that I just, Steph, I
1: adore. am I sarcastic stuff? Uh, never, <laughs> never. What? What? I, that, never. I'm the, I'm the sweetest guy. Couldn't be.
2: So, t- so tell us about the book. Yeah. The book is, um, which I, I hardly recommend everyone buy and read, even though there's not a, uh, there's, I don't think there's a wrestling reference in there. Unfortunately. Oh, gotta work on that. Sorry. The next book, the
0: next book, you should just devote a chapter to Rodman and Malone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, you know what I, that might be a, that might be like a, a series of books, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, uh, how like Robert Caro has like five books on LBJ mm-hmm. each, 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 uh, each book can be like a minute of the match. So. I got
0: it. No. Why don't you do like a last dance documentary about the match <laughs> and you get like the, the, the NBA finals is the background. Yeah, but the match itself is what they focus on.
2: I, I think that would be a great idea, and I'm 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 very eager to pitch that to my agent. <laughs> and never never call me again. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh sure, blame me, <laughs> blame hey, me. Hey, you know what? If you if you want a partnership here, man, you got to think. <laughs> one. Um, no, uh, the book it's called "From Hang Time to Primetime, Business, Entertainment, and the Birth of the Modern Day NBA." Um and really the book uh covers it covers the years 1975 to 1989, which I really feel are the NBA's um um evolutionary um age, it's era. It's I call it the age of emergence. And basically that's when everything came together for the NBA to become the international cultural and and business behemoth that it is today so the book looks at the rise of cable television It looks at how cbs sports turned the turn the games into entertainment uh looks at great players like michael jordan julius irving their role in bringing the nba into a league that um embraced style and superstars uh and it also looks at um the nba's uh arrival um to nbc and, and how it became tr- something that was truly um you know an entertainment property so the book um features well over 300 interviews with a variety of people including TV executives, rappers, sneaker heads, sneaker manufacturers because those things are important the you know Air Jordan uh the rival Air Jordan 84 really brings the NBA to a whole new level so the so the to me the book is for anybody who is a basketball fan but also someone who likes a business book, a book about cultural history or just wants a good read. I mean it's it's 315 pages but I mean, I'm the author of it, but I think it reads uh, reads pretty breezy. So, yeah you
0: you see the parallels here between the NBA and and pro wrestling, right?
2: Yeah. Oh, that, that's that's why I was so happy to be on this podcast because they are it's the same. They're basically brothers or sisters. Mm-hmm. They are they are cut from the same cloth of showmanship, entertainment, giving giving viewers a good time, and also the NBA's business model or it's, it's always been a lack of tradition. They are always going to do something new. They're always going to promote the new star. And if that isn't wrestling, I don't know what is Mm -hmm. like, there's a reflection of the past. Like, Oh yeah. You know, remember Hulk Hogan, you have the hall of fame and all that good stuff, but really the NBA and, and, you know, professional wrestling, they're all about looking ahead. And so, yeah, it's, to me, it's, they're one to me. They're, they're very much like mirror images. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, anyone who says like, ah, oh, you know, wrestling, ah, it's just it's like it's if you look at if you look at sports now, everything that sports that sports um, tries to accomplish in terms of amping up the crowd and promotion, that's very much a WWE game plan. Mm. So, yeah. So the book, I think, is is a is a big is it would be a great fit for uh, the NBA fan and for, and for the wrestling fan who wants to be an NBA fan or doesn't want to be an NBA fan. So I'm, I, I heartily endorse it.
0: You you know what I find interesting too? Uh, People look at wrestling and they're like, ah, I don't like that. It's fixed. It's fake. And then they watch sports and their team doesn't win. And they're like,
2: oh, it's all fake and fixed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know why. Look, I, I I love sports, but, Mm -hmm. and I, I love, I love the NBA and I love, I just love watching and appreciating a game or any, or basically any great athletic feat. Like I'm, I'm there, hmm. but it's always, it always amazes me how ridiculous people get with stuff like that. Like, Oh, hmm. the game was, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, and they just lose their mind. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 43 and hmm. I don't know. I don't have the, I don't have the energy for that anymore. Like, yeah, just give me a good game. Like, I'll, I'll let me ask you guys this, like as wrestling fans, like, do you are you like I want the best match or are you with like a certain wrestler? Like how does that work? I mean, are you just I'm pardon me? I'm just curious about that. Steph.
1: Uh we've talked before that I'm I'm a big storyline person. Mm. So I that's what I watch develop and what I care about versus how the actual match goes. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would be more just the person and how that can develop and whoever wins, wins. It's just as long as that carries forward. Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: I too like a good storyline, but I'm more along the lines of, look, there's a understanding between you, the wrestlers and me, the fan, that I know that there's an outcome to this, that you know, Mm -hmm. and you're not telling us. But to get to that outcome, I want you to make it look as real as possible. And while you're making it look real, do things that would happen in a real fight or that would perhaps like give me that believability to it. When I mean, Steph, I talk about this with Steph all the time. When a guy is standing there for 10 seconds waiting for another guy to jump off the top rope at him, (laughs) like I lose first, I lose my mind. Then I'm completely taken out of the match. Like we saw a match last night Mm -hmm. and I almost kind of jumped out of my window. And sometimes look, things happen even to the greatest ring veterans who've been around for a bunch of years. Chris Jericho put a wrestler in his lion tamer, which is like a kind of a reverse, like a, like a Boston crap kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I guess he was supposed to do it closer to the, Ropes so that somebody on the outside could reach in and punch him. He did not. He did it right in the middle of the ring, realized he was too far away, and shimmied the guy all the (laughs) way over to the other side of the ring. And when I say shimmied, I mean a good 15 steps. Like there was no believability to it. And now part of that was the guy on the ground's fault, kind of, because one, he set up in the wrong, two, he might have kind of known where he was and realized. I'm in the wrong spot too. I should maybe try to wiggle so it looks like Jericho is trying to keep me in the hold and that's what's moving me over there, but not Jericho grabbing two legs and like duck walking over so that he can get to the ropes close enough so that he can get punched in the face. It's like, look, I know accidents happen and I know sometimes it's hard in the ring when you're doing all this stuff, but little things like that, like keep me in the moment of believability so that I can go along to on this ride with you.
2: Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, again, I am, I am not looking to get, I'm not, I'm at the age now where I don't want to have um, agony with, with any sporting event. Like mm-hmm. I want to just yeah. sit and I want to enjoy whatever it is I'm watching. I mean, I'm a, there are certain teams that I follow and there are certain players that I like, but I just want, you know, I want after a hard day of doing, doing whatever it is that I do, I, I want to spend, I want to just be able to sit back and enjoy a professional athlete doing their job exceptionally well. I think mm-hmm. that, that to me is the juice. And I think it, I think we're, you know, it sounds to me like we're all kind of cut from the same cloth.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, Steph has a lot of agony, agony because she's a Ravens and Orioles fan.
2: Oh, sorry. So, Ravens she's got,
0: Orioles. so she's got a lot of agony.
2: Yeah. I look, I mean, I, um, I, I, I understand. I mean my, my my in-laws are um Philadelphia Eagles fans, so I know all about agony until mm-hmm. even even after Super Bowl, it it was never Yeah, it, it wasn't
1: now they have our boy Flacco. Yeah. I don't know how that's gonna go. Dude when did, did that happen? Yeah. Like, <laughs> a couple few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, came back, or, came back some, home.
2: Things, some things just fly under my radar. South Jersey's finest came back home. Malton's finest
0: came back home. Sometimes stuff like that flies under my radar. Just as long as he's not on the Giants, I'm fine.
2: Hey, I'm. Oh, yeah. There's. You know, I'm a Giants fan, but even I'm like, I'm gonna be cautious here. I, yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a long. It's a let's say that's yeah, a slippery slope. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, again, like I'm. I you know if my teams win, that's great. But it's also like just give me a, give me a good game, give me a good contest, and I'm set.
0: I hear you. Well, Pete, we want to thank you so much. Good luck with the book.
2: Thank you.
0: So, And actually let everybody know where they can find you uh, online.
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I am very much on Twitter, probably more than I need to be. Uh, <laughs> and I, so I am at Pete Crow Auto. That's C-R-O-A, two T's as in Thomas O. Um, that's where I spend most of my time. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn, but I, yeah. Um, <laughs> also um, regarding the book, uh, if you buy the book and send me proof, either through, you know, probably Twitter is the best way to do it. Uh, I will mail you a signed book plate, you know, and it doesn't matter where you are, I'll mail you a signed book plate. Also, you can buy autographed copies of the book at Odyssey Bookstore in Ithaca. So mm-hmm. go to odys- odysseybookstore.com and you know, either email one of the associates there, call them up, and uh, yeah, I can um, sign a book for you, and the store will mail it pretty much anywhere in the US for five bucks extra. So that's pretty much it. Uh, so awesome. fortunately, the website isn't really functional at this point. Twitter is is where where they can track me down and berate me with, uh, you know, you know, opinions on my hat or my hair or whatever. It doesn't matter. Awesome. for
1: your, your Amy Grant tweets was what oh, I, was what Hey, I you saw. know what? Look, I, I had never seen that music video before ne- you never saw every heartbeat. Oh my God. I love every heartbeat, but I have never seen that video. And I was like, this is at first I was like, this doesn't start off bad. And then I was like, Oh wait, okay. Oh, oh, oh this it, gets, it, it,
2: Oh yeah. It, it gets it gets worse in a hurry, and and the thing is like even as like a fourteen year old kid or fifteen or thirteen fourteen watching those videos, I was like, this is a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> and, and again at thirteen, like I have no discern, I have no taste. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not like I'm reading, you know, film comment or anything. I'm just I'm watching. this. like this is just awful. Like, mm-hmm. and, it, and watching them now, it's like this is wow. It's 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 bad. So yeah, so enjoy my Amy Grant tweets and, and enjoy my rants at. Uh, you know, various, uh, you know, various foibles. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a big stew over there.
0: (laughs) Well, do do yourself a favor when you're done, go to YouTube, look up any of the music videos from pile driver and they will make Amy (laughs) Grant look like video of the year. For every year running,
2: There's, wait. There are there are music videos to go with the with the- girls in cars has a music
0: video. Pile driver has. A, I mean, legit music videos like you'd see on MTV. They never played on MTV, but you'd is see it, them on MTV. Is
2: it on par with? what Was it? Was it? Is it on par with like F- Fuji Vice? Like that? Remember that?
0: Fuji what? Vice at least knew it was trying to be a parody. Okay. This was trying to be a legitimate <laughs> music video and failed. I'll tell you what. Just look up Robbie Dupree, Girls in Cars. Yes. Now, Robbie it. Dupree had the hit single "Steal Away" in the '80s, and then he sang the theme song to Strike for for Strike Force. Wow! And it's called "Girls in Cars." Girls in Cars. And you're gonna know that because he's gonna repeat it 7,500 times.
1: Good luck getting it out of your
2: head. I, yes. you, I, I, I was, I thought I could top. Um, I thought that the brilliance of um, "Don't Go Mess with a Country Boy" could be topped, but clearly, I, easily. I, 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 yeah. I, I'm in for, uh, I'm in, I'm I, clearly that, that, that status is going to be, uh, toppled over girls and cars. Okay. This uh,
0: video is going to change your life.
2: All right. Okay. Um, and we're, we're going to leave it at that.
1: <laughs> we'll look I for think, the I tweets.
2: I think it's a good, I think that's a good, uh, that's a good point for me to, to, uh, let you guys go and call my therapist. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pete, thanks a lot, man. My pleasure guys. Thank you.
1: Wow you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media and leave a rating and review on iTunes. To catch all the latest from myself, Chris, and our podcast, you can go to www.notaboutwrestling.com. You'll find previous episodes, articles from episodes and links to all of our social accounts. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.